The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Everybody, welcome to the old Pick Six podcast. Will Brinson is on his perpetual vacation. Nothing new there. But I'm joined by Patrick Walker, colleague of CBS Sports. We're going to talk a little running backs, and you can check this out on the website. Patrick wrote about the top ten running backs, and I, I'm sure it will be well received on social media because people <laughs> typically don't get angry about these things. We're going to talk about it, and if you're angry, eh, you can leave a comment, but I won't read it. That'll make you feel better. Uh, and obviously, it's on YouTube. If you want to watch there as well, either live or you can go back and watch it if you want to see our faces. Patrick, how are you doing, my man? I am doing well. I have no complaints. How's it going, sir? You have no complaints. Well, we'll talk quickly because we haven't actually, we met briefly once about three years ago when we all got together. Maybe before that, COVID makes everything feel like a long time. It we haven't does. talked in depth, but you're a Cowboys guy. I'm a Steelers guy. So, how are you doing as a Cowboys guy? Let's start there. Well, as a Cowboys guy, I'm, you know, there are complaints. <laughs> <laughs> I could complain about that. Um, I mean, there is potential there, but uh, unfortunately, it's it seems to be the perpetual situation wherein uh, the Cowboys have, you know, so much talent to get the job done and turn the corner. But uh, inevitably, they get in their own way. And, um, you know, inauspiciously, it's always at the wrong possible time. Man, that so, way that season ended, it probably yeah. didn't make you feel great. No, uh, with, a, with a thud. Let me add. On the outside looking in, my biggest issue with the Cowboys is Mike McCarthy. Where do you come down on that? I don't think that Mike McCarthy is the uh, the main issue in, in Dallas. I think that – and I said this last year, I believe. I believe Mike McCarthy has another Super Bowl in him as oh, an NFL boy. head coach. I, I believe that I've seen – uh, enough adaptation from him as far as uh, okay. what's he what he's evolved from being you know going from the old ball coach for lack of a better way to put it <laughs> um, to one who's starting to embrace analytics you start to look at who he's putting around him um, you know as far as assistants and assistant coaches and more of the progressive minded um, youthful coaches that are kind of helping nudge him along to say hey you know it's not that the old school way of things does not still work, but you can't continually ignore new tools and new information. So he's starting to embrace that. So uh, I, that was my biggest concern with McCarthy when the Cowboys gave him that five-year contract. But I've seen enough over the past couple of years to say, hey, uh, this is a guy who um, can lead the locker room. The players are all buying into him. It does not hurt when you bring in a guy like Dan Quinn. Obviously, it did hurt. Um, when you first brought in a guy like Mike Nolan, and that completely almost undermined his entire um, stretch with the Cowboys and short, almost shortened it uh, quite swiftly. But he was <laughs> saved by Dan Quinn. Um, and, you know, at this point, I feel like with Dan Quinn at the helm, uh, defensive coordinator, I still have my questions about Kellen Moore as OC. Uh, you know, a lot of talent there, but, you know, inconsistent to say the least. I don't think that McCarthy is the the key issue. I think the key issue, if we had to, you know, you know, gun to my head right now, I would simply say it's in how, you know, the front office handles contracts. 
Um, so you look at what happened with Amari Cooper that did not have to transpire. Uh, you look at what happened with Randy Gregory did not have to transpire. They almost lost Demarcus Lawrence because of a contract situation um, versus who they choose to award contracts to. Um, you know, I think that's really the main thing. Not enough being done in free agency. Um, yes, you draft very well, but you're too dependent upon the draft. Um, try to sprinkle in some of that Rams free agency magic <laughs> uh, into what Will McClay has shown to be a stellar draft ability. And you know, the Cowboys would be right there, but they haven't figured out how to get the scale of the balance just yet. You know, it's it's good you say that about McCarthy because my biggest complaint was like, is he embracing this stuff like he's supposed to? Because he did say when he took the year off that you know he went to PFF and he he had learned from his mistakes and so on and so forth. Um, I get it, but if you feel good about it, then you know I'm fine with it. Then that, well, uh, you know, I feel solid enough right. about it. Um, I think the main thing for me is is. I feel like if he at this point going into year three, if he had not truly embraced analytics and a progressive mind as far as coaching and, and how to win NFL games is concerned, I think it would have shown itself. Uh, and one thing it would have shown itself in is taking away play calling ability from Kellen Moore. But instead, he's basically allowing Kellen Moore to continue to do what he's doing. Um and sometimes that works out well for the Cowboys and sometimes not so much. But the fact that McCarthy is mostly hands off when it comes to his offensive coordinator, um, who, you know, very easily could and has, for the most part, put him in the hot seat um, <laughs> going into 2022. Uh, I think that lets you know in and of itself, you know, are there still questions on if McCarthy is truly bought in? Those are fair. Uh, but I don't see evidence that he has not. Um, I mean, you, you even look at some of the situational play calls uh, that he has allowed Kellen Moore to do and he has not vetoed he being uh, Mike McCarthy. Uh, it just lets me know, hey, this guy is really letting it fly. So <laughs> for better or for worse, I do believe McCarthy has adapted. Um, but is he adapting quickly enough? Does there still need to be balance? Does he still need to? Because I'm a huge guy when it comes to uh, how to win games in the NFL. Uh, I'm all encompassing as far as you don't <laughs> overlook analytics whatsoever, but at the same time, you don't toss out the old school playbook either or the old school right. mentality. You have to find that middle ground. Um, so the Cowboys just need to find it and they just haven't yet. Um, and I'm also an, an advocate of if the job does not get done in 2022, sorry, Jerry, but we're still talking about Sean Payton and we're going to continue to do so. Yeah. That's, that's a name that ain't going to go away until nope. Sean Payton makes it go away. Um, all right. So well, let's see if we have any, any cowboy in particular on your top 10 list here. You can read this again on, on cbssports.com. It's been up for a few days. And like I said, I'm sure everyone was happy with your list. Uh, let's start with number 10. You went with David Montgomery for the bears. Um, why don't you talk us through what your thoughts on David Montgomery and we won't, reveal any of the guys that that didn't make the list just yet we'll, we'll circle back on those but how, how did montgomery come in at 10 for you well well first i always start with when it comes to these rankings i always start with um criteria obviously um so first you're looking at production um you're also looking at availability um potential slash ceiling however you want to word that value to your respective team and consistency now when it comes to david montgomery i'm of the mindset that montgomery has not been giving been given the respect that he has deserved to this point. Now, 
you know, does that mean I'm saying that he's a top five guy? No. You look at the rankings. I have him at number 10. Um, but I do, as we have this conversation, I do believe that he is going into 2022 as a more um, important piece mm -hmm. to his team than some of the guys that I left either in honorable mentions or didn't mention whatsoever. I like what the Bears have in Montgomery. I like I love the usage, the added utilization, the increased utilization that they're um, employing with him as far as the 2021 season. It tells me that uh, especially in the continued development of Justin Fields, they're really going to lean heavily on David Montgomery going forward for you you know, fantasy football aficionados who are looking for a running back that you might want to give an eye to. I mean, you look at a guy like David Montgomery and you look at the situation that they have uh, in Chicago, Justin Fields is going to need more development, obviously new coaching staff there. Uh, you look at the fact that the, the wide receiver room is kind of huge question marks there. Like what's going on? Allen Robinson's not there anymore. So what's going to happen there? David Robinson showed me enough two years ago to believe that his ceiling was quite high. And then what I saw last season really just doubled down on my belief in that. Now you go into 2022 and all the variables that we're talking about, I think he's going to be um, in a position where he could crack into the top 10 uh, on this list in the 2023 uh, version iteration if he remains healthy and if the trajectory continues, as I think it will in Chicago. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I love David Montgomery coming out of Iowa State, and it was a tough situation coming to Chicago because that team offensively has not been great for for a few years, and, and that hasn't hasn't changed. It may have even gotten worse. You mentioned Allen Robinson's now gone. He's in L.A. Uh, they signed Equimini St. Brown. They drafted Bayless Jones, who is a good start, but it certainly isn't uh, going the links necessary to help out Justin Fields, who's going into year two. And um, I, I think Montgomery's going to be critical to that offense having yeah. anything resembling success because he's going to take some of the pressure off Justin Fields, who took an absolute beating last year. Uh, a guy who's in a little better situation than Dave Montgomery in that division is who you have number nine, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones does not have to do everything for obvious reasons, though he may have to do a bit more now that Devontae Adams is gone. Uh, Aaron Jones, to me, feels like the, the, the perfect complement to that Green Bay offense. And again, just shows you don't have to draft a, a running back in the first round. Aaron Jones was, I believe, a day three guy out of UTEP. Um, and the value has more than paid for itself. Tell me about uh, Aaron Jones there at number nine for you. The thing I love about Aaron Jones is, is his consistency. Yes, his production took a little bit of a step back in 2021, but for obvious reasons, you just stated it. He's, he wasn't tasked with doing nearly as much as a guy like David Montgomery would, for example. Devontae Adams was there. When Devontae Adams is there, he's going to be your first and second option um, from an Aaron Rodgers standpoint. And, you know, then if you're Matt McFleur, you look back and you say, okay, hey, now it's time to run the ball. Now it's time to, you know, get Aaron Jones some touches out of the backfield. And when Aaron Jones touches the ball, uh, he usually makes things happen. He makes players miss in the open field. Uh, and he's not away. He's not afraid of contact. He will not shy away from contact. So he can either go around you or he'll try to go through you. So I love the fact that he's a well-balanced back. I love the fact that he can be a dual threat out of the backfield. He can take the handoffs. He can get the, the catches out of, uh, you know, out of on those screen bubble passes and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, you could look at his production and say, well, you know, it took a step back and he wasn't necessarily battling, um, you know, any major injury in 2021. So should he really be higher than David Montgomery? Uh, you know, should he be higher than some of the guys that I listed in honorable mention them? And my answer is yes. Uh, and again, similar, well, I should say not entirely dissimilar from the David Montgomery situation is I believe you're going to see more Aaron Jones in 2022 uh, because you don't have Devonte Adams. And, you know, yes, the, the Packers are, 
hoping that the moves they've made, be it with free agency and the NFL draft, that they'll have someone step up in that receiver core um, and at least attempt to supplant the production lost by Devontae Adams. But that's that's such a massive gargantuan ask. <laughs> um, and I think that they're going to find out fairly, fairly quickly exactly what the val- the true value of Devontae Adams was to that offense. And in doing so, they're going to have to really look for that stable hand. Um, and that stable hand for me is Aaron Jones. Uh, not necessarily to, you know, uh, put a slight to Aaron Rodgers because it, it doesn't get more stable than that until you reach the playoffs lately. But when it comes yeah. to Aaron, <laughs> but when it comes to Aaron Jones, he's just a running back. He gets the job done and he, he, he gets it done um, almost every time he touches the ball. I'm with you. I'm looking at football outsiders metrics too. And you talked about Aaron Jones is quote unquote down year last year. He was still 14th in value per play uh, among all the running backs. 15th, AJ Dillon, who's also going to get uh, plenty of work this uh, next season as he goes into year three. Uh, the running back they drafted in the second round when they refused to take a wide receiver a few years ago. Hmm. Uh, so, and Dillon Spence, he, he was pretty good last year, and, and I think he'll get better. Although Aaron Rodgers, as you sort of alluded to there, Patrick probably is looking for some wide receiver help. We'll see if it happens in the form of Christian Watson. Again. Again. Uh, I, I mean, I said this stat probably 5 million times over the course of the draft season. The last time they drafted a wide receiver in the first round was 2002, Javon Walker, and that that record is still standing. So uh, it's going to outlast Aaron Rodgers, it feels like. At number eight, I absolutely love this pick. Not an under-the-radar guy if you follow football, especially if you're a fantasy guy, but sort of probably off your radar if you're an East Coast guy or, or an NFC or AFC East guy. Uh, and I love the fact that the Chargers, I'm talking about Austin Eckler here, also drafted Isaiah Spiller. Yeah. Now, are you? do you live in Texas, Patrick? I am. I'm in Dallas right now. Okay, so I don't know how much college football you watch or how much Texas Sorry, A&M you watch. But I'm an, right? I'm an SEC guy, so yeah. So yeah, so you know Isaiah Spiller, and that's going to be fun addition to that offense. But why don't you tell me about Austin Eckler and his role in sort of helping Justin Herbert uh, make his case for what feels like a top-five quarterback? I absolutely adore Austin Eckler. Um, and to see the the elevation um, of Austin Eckler, you know, there were questions about uh, during the Melvin Gordon hold holdout, you know, why won't the Chargers just pay Melvin Gordon? You know, what do they have as an option outside of that? And then when that went awry and, and Gordon uh, and the Chargers parted ways and they, you know, immediately doubled down on Austin Eckler as the the heir, so to speak, of, of Melvin Gordon, what did Eckler do? nothing but go out there and ball that that's all he did he just went out there and balled uh and he went out there and made a name for himself um in a situation where he he has a very young quarterback who while justin herbert is an absolute monster already he is still a young quarterback he's going to have growing pains he's going to have um some of those lumps that he has to take you know in some of his decision making but uh to be able to be such a key and Brandon Staley's offense and helping, uh, you know, what could easily be uh, in the very near future, a top five quarterback in Justin Herbert. I think also Eckler is the value. And I mentioned that as one of the key um, parameters of, of my rankings here, the value of Eckler uh, to his team is just right now it's immeasurable. So yeah, Isaiah Spiller, he's going to be fun. Um, I think, you know, but while Spiller is getting his touches, you're just not going to take it away from Eckler because as long as Eckler can remain healthy, obviously he's had a little bit of an injury bug here and there. But if he can remain healthy, um, for my money, I don't necessarily see Eckler as a true running back as much as I see him as a smaller receiver who happens mm-hmm. to be physical enough to take handoffs. Um, and there's someone here in Dallas 
who kind of mirrors that. His name is Tony Pollard. Um, so I think if you're looking at that particular skill set, not many um, running backs have the ability to do what a guy like Tony Pollard does or what Austin Eckler does with those more touches that he gets in Los Angeles than Tony Pollard will ever get here in Dallas. Um, but I mean, Austin Eckler, you know, he's a fantasy favorite of mine uh, and fantasy aside he's just a, a fun player to watch you go put on the film and you know it just jumps out at you he pops out at you every single time no matter where he is on the field if you get him that ball there's yak coming that's right yeah the versatility you talk about that that's sort of you talk about the sec that's exactly what the bills are hoping they're going to get in james cook who they drafted on day two out of georgia i i thought that i was surprised by the pick but um if they get anything resembling Eckler or Tony Pollard, I think they'll be uh, more than ecstatic with that. Eckler, ninth in DVOA, which is uh, value per play, according to Football Outsiders, among all running backs. Uh, third, excuse me, in total value among all running backs, behind only Jonathan Taylor and somehow playoff Lenny, which is hysterical. All right, I was uh, looking at the list, and uh, I was reminded of uh, old MC Hammer here. Da-da-da-da, uh, da-da. That, that Homer time. It's Homer time. <laughs> Homer time or, number seven. Or so, or so you would believe. <laughs> All right. Explain this one to me. All right. So at, at number seven, we have Ezekiel Elliott. Um, now, again, you look at the parameters. And if I was really being a Homer, wouldn't Zeke be higher in these rankings? Tisk, I think you tisk. did it just so we wouldn't call you out tisk, too much. Tisk, you had it right tisk. in the middle. Uh, I see what you're trying to do there. But in, in all reality, I feel like the reason um, I have Ezekiel Elliott not in the top five, but definitely in the top ten, is you start looking at consistency. You start looking at um, what he's asked to do for the Cowboys, uh, even with the increased amount of passing that's going on. Yes, Dak Prescott, before he went down with his season-ending injury in 2020, uh, he was averaging 44 passes a game that's not sustainable the cowboys know it so um in 2021 when dak prescott came back they were obviously um being judicious in and you know their play calling for him they wouldn't let him run for you know lack of a better way to put it but hopefully they unleash a little bit more of that in 2023 but that's not going to take away from the fact of well two facts one ezekiel elliott is still to me one of the best running backs in the league um as long as he can remain healthy, because now I feel like there's a little bit of a durability issue, not availability, but durability. Uh, he remains available. He tore his PCL and he continued to play much to my chagrin. I put a piece out there on CBS Sports uh, in late November. I want to say early December of last season that basically said you need to shut Ezekiel Elliott down with that knee injury before um, things escalate uh, health wise. And they didn't. And, you know, things got a little bit worse, but he still ended up with over 1200 yards from scrimmage with a torn PCL. There's just not many that are able to do that. We're still talking about a two-time uh, NFL rushing champ. We're still talking about a guy who, at least every other season, is going to give you uh, 11, 1,200 in some of the best seasons, maybe even 1,300 yards from scrimmage. I don't necessarily like how the Cowboys have capped um, him in the aspect of using him as a, a wide out out of the backfield. He has the ability to do it. You saw him do it a lot at Ohio State, but not necessarily – here in Dallas. Uh, and then they go and they get Tony Pollard. And now they're kind of using Tony Pollard in that aspect, which to me um, is reminiscent of what they were looking to do with uh, the Lance Dunbar um, dynamic versus um, God, name escapes me. Come on, DeMarco, DeMarco Murray, Lance oh, yeah. Dunbar. Um, so they were trying to do that and create that dynamic. It never happened because Lance Dunbar couldn't remain on the field. So they were trying to recreate that with Zeke and Pollard. Um, but, you know, Zeke is going to continue to get his touches because of fact two you paid him mm -hmm. and like it or not folks 
you know, I, I'm not a fan of um, making decisions on the field based upon your contracts that you've awarded the players. Um, but that's also not necessarily reality when you look at the fact that Ezekiel Elliott is set to hit the Cowboys salary cap this season for over $18 million, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to scale him all the way back. You will try to get Pollard more touches because, you know, you're coming up on an offseason next year where you're going to have to make a decision on Pollard. Are you going to pay him? Are you not? I don't think the Cowboys will. I think they feel like they can draft another Pollard. Um, but Ezekiel Elliott is still his throne here in Dallas. He's shown me that, you know, even when he's not – completely healthy. He can still produce at a high level. And when things go awry in the passing game, and keep in mind, Cowboys just traded the way Amari Cooper. Yes, CeeDee Lamb is going to ascend to wide receiver one, but he's been inconsistent with drops. Um, he's had drop issues over the past couple of years. Michael Gallup may not be ready for the start of the season with that torn ACL rehabilitation. Uh, you don't have Cedric Wilson anymore. You kind of lost that gambit thinking that Cedric Wilson would remain if you traded away Amari Cooper. Nope, didn't happen. He's with the <laughs> Miami Dolphins now. So if we're talking about teams that have question marks, huge question marks in the receiver core, the Cowboys are one of them, which to me points a big red arrow at Ezekiel Elliott, at least to start the season. So I, he started explosive. He was explosive at the beginning of last season with a new training regimen. He was not slowed until he tore the PCL, but he is now fully healthy. Cowboys receiver core is in shambles at the moment. We'll see if it comes together. So that all signs point to Ezekiel Elliott having another great year. If he can stay uh 100% or even near it. Yeah. A couple things. So they, they signed former Steeler James Washington, one year mm-hmm. deal. I never thought he got an opportunity in Pittsburgh. I, I, think I agree. He, he'll I was have a big chance, fan of but, him coming out of. Oakland. Yeah. yeah. I, I felt yeah. like, I don't know if there was some, some things like, for all accounts, he's a great dude. I don't know if the practice issues or what, but when he had opportunities, I thought he did pretty well. And I think that opportunity may come next season. They drafted Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama, who, who yeah, I like he, a lot. He's out of the gate. Fire. He's firing out of the gate. Yeah. He struggled with some drops, some focus drops during college. So if he can clean that up, that's all good. You mentioned the salary for Ezekiel Elliott. Look, Taylor Heineke said this the other day when they asked him if you have a chance to start. He said no. He said basically he said, nope. no. They paid Carson Wentz and they didn't pay him to be sitting there. Now look, Carson Wentz may end up sitting there based on recent history, but it, it's not going to start that way. Correct. Uh, something else with Zeke. If Zeke were drafted at the bottom of the first round, I don't think anyone he wouldn't get much as much heat as he gets now. No, it it flip. He. Uh, that's right. He'd be more appreciated. It's like the playoff Lenny situation, Lenny Fournette. You draft Lenny top five, you, you're going to be like, well, what's going on there? And uh, I was sort of giving you a hard time about the rank. I don't mind if they're seventh. He is uh, 11th in total value among all running backs, according to Football Outsiders, which is certainly there's no, no nothing wrong with that. But I'm going to throw this number out at you. This person ranks fourth in value per play and ninth in total value among all running backs. And his name is, let me check, oh, Tony Pollard. Hmm. So uh, that goes to your point about sort of splitting carries and, and splitting the division of labor. And um, I don't know if you can just draft another Tony Pollard because I think he sort of fills that niche. But uh, I think you can. All right. Well, can. That, that's not taken away from Tony Pollard. But um, I think if you look at the total package of, of what Pollard brings to the table, he, he is, in fact, a home run hitter. But he has trouble uh, being consistent as far as running through the A and B gaps. He's he's a tough running back, but he's not that he's not Leonard Fournette uh you know through the A and B gaps he's right. not Ezekiel Elliott through those gaps you know some of these bigger he's not Derrick Henry obviously but who is mm-hmm. but when you look at um the totality of it he also is a little bit of a liability as far as uh pass protection goes whereas Ezekiel Elliott is arguably one of the best um yeah. pass protecting running backs in the league he keeps Dak Prescott cleaner than 
many other running backs would. So you add that value to Ezekiel Elliott as well. And that really just deepens it for me as far as keeping him in the top 10. Um, And Pollard, is it possible that he could go to another team in a a year or two and, and become the starter for that team and, and make waves? Absolutely. It's absolutely possible. We we've seen what Tony Pollard can do with the ball in his hands, but for, for me, it's the consistency aspect of it that, you know, helps differentiate Pollard from Zeke um, or a spiller from, you know, one of the more like an Aaron Jones, for example, because there's something to be said for, performing at a high level season in and season out, regardless of what's going on around you. Not only that, you can't be paying, you know, you can't have five running backs on the roster making six million dollars a year. Um, number six on this list, I actually love number six. I was shocked that the advanced metrics don't like him. And my first reaction is, well, that offensive line was dog doo-doo, and that probably had a lot to do with it. So number six, you have Joe Mixon. Mm. Yes, absolutely. I've been high on Joe Mixon for several years now. Uh, And if you go back and you look at my uh, running back rankings for 2021 and 2020, Joe Mixon was, he was up there. He was up there uh, in the top 10 both times. And for me, his 2021 production gets lost often because of the law firm of Burrow and Chase. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. When when you have um, they need a third uh, partner. Yeah. When you have a connection like Burrow and Chase, and it's just so electric, and it's constantly you know taking over games and and removing the tops off of defenses. That's always going to be the sexiest thing as far as you know what people remember happened in that particular game. But quiet as it's kept, Joe Mixon's production was very much a key driver in the success of the Cincinnati Bengals all the way up and through the Super Bowl. And to me, they really only came uh, one missed call away from taking out the Los Angeles Rams. That's a conversation for another day. But when you look at Joe Mixon and his production, uh, he he just does it. You know, he doesn't complain. And, and even before Joe Burrow, who was carrying the offense for the Cincinnati Bengals? It was Joe Mixon. Uh, Joe Mixon was the the entirety of that offense before they went out and you used that first overall pick on Joe Burrow. And then what happens? You lose Joe Burrow um, basically to a wreck knee because of the offensive line that you so eloquently described as dog doo doo. Um, <laughs> you know, and kudos to the Bengals for at least throwing the kitchen sink at trying to repair that in 2021. But, yep. you know, it's the same, you know, fecal matter. <laughs> that was placed in front of Mixon pre-Burrow. And Mixon, all he did was go out there and just produce and produce and produce. And unfortunately, it didn't turn into wins in those in those seasons. But it wasn't because uh, Mixon wasn't doing his job. It was because many others were not doing their job. And that includes the front office in Cincinnati as well. So uh, I've been huge on Mixon um, for a few years now. And to see that he can still put up the numbers he did uh, in 2021 while Jamar Chase is having the season he's having while Joe Burrow is having the season he's having phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal. And I don't see him slowing down one bit in 2022. I'm with you. And I think you, you sort of touched on it. We get lost in the quarterbacks and the receivers, but even though the running back is going the way of the dinosaur in some sense, they're also incredibly important to provide balance. You talked about uh, Eckler and what he does for, for Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. These are two young quarterbacks, same draft class, even Dak Prescott. I mean, he's, he's obviously a veteran now, but he, he's still relatively young and even without balance, you give Tom Brady a uh, no running situation in Tampa Bay mm-hmm. and he looks like a 45 year old man. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something important <laughs> to, 
to having those guys there. Um, are they the highest paid guys? No. Nope. Um, but th- th- I think they're, they're certainly uh, invaluable in some respects in terms of what they do. And they, right, they, they do as much of the grunt work, or I should say almost as much grunt work as offensive linemen. That's right. Um, you know, and shouts out to the offensive linemen. They're the most unheralded on the field, but the running back position is by far the most brutal. Um, and But it's not the sexiest either. So, Yeah, at least old linemen get paid. Like the, um, True the, story. Old linemen <laughs> have to take the running backs out to eat. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. That's the picks 10 through 6, and we'll come back and we'll, we'll do this top five here. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Patrick. Yes, sir. Got, got five down, five to go. I mentioned James Cook earlier out of Georgia, drafted to the to the Bills on day uh-huh. two. Time to talk about big brother. Time to talk about his big brother. I think in my mind they're completely different players. Um, I agree. And, yeah, I, I think that most folks would agree with that. Uh, so explain to me Dalvin Cook there at number five uh, to the to the Vikings. You talk about a, running, a quarterback that needs a running back. I think Kirk Cousins, who I am not a big fan <laughs> of on the football field. We have uh, that in common. Yeah, w- would be in a real situation. In Kirk Cousins' defense, and I'll ask you this because I bring it up probably once a month on the podcast. Uh, in the list of active quarterbacks, where do you think Kirk Cousins ranks in completion percentage among active quarterbacks? Hmm. I believe he's he's probably up there as far as completion percentage. I, I'd say he's top 10 in completion He is percentage. number two behind Deshaun Watson. Oh, wow. That's I know, and that's always the response oh, wow. that I get. When I, when I, get <laughs> I was not expecting that. And so if Deshaun doesn't play this year, he'll be number one among active quarterbacks. And he was number two behind Drew Brees before Drew Brees retired. So, mm. Look, maybe he's only throwing screen passes. He's completing the screen passes. Yeah, I, I was going. I was going to say, you know, not every pass is equal. That's um, right. So you know, but he's still completing them. We're talking about being a check down Charlie, <laughs> you know. But yeah. in all with completions, there that's a two that's a two way street because someone has to catch it. So well, he's got some guys who can catch it too. And there, and there you go, including Dalvin Cook. But <laughs> again, you your go. response is the one that that is the. The typical one, like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as much as yeah. I give uh, wow. Kirk Cousins gu- uh, gruff, 
my man is at least completing the, the checkdowns that we know about. So Dalvin Cook, how important is he to, to what Kirk Cousins is trying to do uh, out of that backfield? <laughs> you take Dalvin Cook out of the equation, and it's it's a different uh, Kirk Cousins. Um, it's a Kirk Cousins that uh, opposing defenses can pin their ears back and try to go after. Now, that is made a little bit more difficult when you talk about the presence of uh, Justin Jefferson, when you talk about the fact that Adam Thielen, even if Thielen has taken a step back or lost a step or two, he's still, you know, one of the best tight ends mm-hmm. in the league. And he's basically a receiver hiding as a tight end. Um, but without Delvin Cook, you know, I, who is the straw that stirs that coffee in Minnesota, I think the the Vikings offense is just, it will take a huge step back now. Um, and kudos to Delvin Cook, because I'm also a massive fan of perseverance. And Delvin Cook came into the league out of Florida State and, you know, high expectations, to say the least. Um, battled injury early in his career. And then the, the B word started being thrown around. He's a bust. He's a bust. He's a bust. He's never going to live up to it. Don't give him this contract, et cetera, et cetera. What does he do? He goes out there and he shuts everybody up. He shuts everybody up when he gets the ball as a you know running back out of the backfield or when he's out there on a screen pass or a bubble screen in, in open space and someone tries to tackle him. Good luck with that. Dalvin Cook is an absolute monster. The only question um, that myself, uh, likely you and, and a lot of others had about Dalvin Cook going into 2021 or even 2020 was can he stay on the field? Well, guess what? That question has been answered. Now, going forward, knock on wood, could he miss some more games? I mean, it's football. You know, anything can happen going forward, but we don't know what can happen going forward. We know what's happened to this point. And to this point, he's proven that he has uh, the durability to remain the bell cow back in Minnesota. And there's just not a lot of running backs nowadays that can carry the moniker of bell cow. Uh, and a lot of the guys that are on this list can, and Dalvin Cook is, in fact, one of them. I do agree with you in that um, – he is a different type of back um, from little brother. Uh, go dogs, by the way. <laughs> um, and I'm excited to see what James Cook can be in the league. But we know what Delvin Cook can be in the league. And for me, he's a top five running back, hands down. And to me, it's not even debatable. I'm with you. I, I love Dalvin Cook's game. And um, the only issue, as is you mentioned, is health. But when you play running back, that's the nature of the, of it's the beast. It's always going to be a thing. It's always going to be a thing. So that was 2017 draft class. Dalvin Cook went 41st in the second round. Seven picks later, Joe Mixon went. And then 19 picks later, top of the third round, your next dude went here, uh, Alvin Kamara. <sighs> so the funny thing, I had to just look this up. You may know this as a SEC guy. I didn't mm-hmm. know it at the time. Do you know where Alvin Kamara started his college career? That I don't. I don't know. I Alabama. only know him as a volunteer. Oh. <laughs> Alabama. I don't know that I knew that. I only knew him as a volunteer. Yeah, I just looked it up. And he transferred to community college and he went to, to Tennessee. So I, I only know. remember the destruction he gave my dogs in orange. I That's don't, right. I don't remember anything he did for Crimson Tide. I do remember the fact that he was just unleashed in Tennessee. Um, and the hype that he rode into the NFL draft that year was well-founded. Uh, and he's carried it over, uh, not simply through the Drew Brees era, but post-Drew Brees in a, a year, 2021, I'm speaking of, where there was so much flux at quarterback. You you had Jameis Winston, um, whom the Saints were very high on as far as being at least, at least a bridge to the future. Uh, he gets off to a hot start torches Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers and you know a couple games later or so he tears his ACL so now it's the Taysom Hill experiment and Mm. you know Taysom Hill for all of his want of being an NFL quarterback okay 
reality has now finally set in. So to the tight end room, you go, sir. I want to be an NFL quarterback too. Right. Don't we all? Mm. If if for no other reason than the paychecks. But um, when it comes to Kamara, and I mentioned this earlier when it, when I was speaking of Austin Eckler, um, uh, this is a guy who, no matter what's been going on around him, he has produced. He got his big money deal, and he continues to produce. There wasn't Mike. There was no Mike Thomas on the field last year or basically 2020. Right. And yet Alvin Kamara still produced opposing defenses. No, Alvin Kamara is going to be the guy that whomever is at quarterback in New Orleans is going to continue to target both out of the backfield and on handoffs. And still they can't do anything about it. It's amazing to watch how electric he is, how slippery he is. He has both speed and quickness. He has the quick twitch is ridiculous. He goes from zero to 60 in like a tenth of a second. I'm not saying that Alvin Kamara is um, equivalent to Barry Sanders, but you'd be lying if you told me you watch Alvin Kamara play and there wasn't that fragrance of Barry Sanders that you caught <laughs> whiff past you every once in a while. So uh, for my money, Elvin Kamara, be it as a, uh, a back out of the, you know, um, you know, taking handoffs or a receiver, which is, he just does magnificent damage in the open, open field as a receiver as well. This is a guy who just, he can't be stopped. He just can't be stopped. The only thing that can stop Elvin Kamara uh, is, his health and that's not been a problem for him for the most part you know off the field issues could stop him as well yeah but that notwithstanding alvin um he's going to get his uh, and i think he's going to get his even more in 2022 because yes supposedly the, the situation with mike thomas is either resolved or it's close to it um and if it is resolved huge kudos to dennis allen because sean payton couldn't get it resolved (laughs) right so if it is in fact resolved kudos to dennis allen for getting that done but again until we see mike thomas back on the field uh, michael thomas back on the field we don't know what he's going to be but we do know what alvin Kamara is going to be and that's an absolute wrecking ball um and lightning in a bottle at the same time it's just it's magnificent to watch not so much in college because he was really breaking my heart but yeah at the nfl level go big dog go yeah, I know our guy Emory Hunt is huge on Jameis Winston, and Jameis Winston was having his best season last year before he tore his ACL mm-hmm. in late October. I think that's going to be a huge gift for him, getting yep. him back healthy. They drafted Chris Olave, who could start from day one. They signed Jarvis Landry. All those things open up the situation for Alvin Kamara to do Alvin Kamara-type things. Uh, before we move on, uh, I'll tell I mean, you You what, really could put Ian Book back there, and Kamara will still get his. Oh, like oh. I, I'm, I'm telling you, like it doesn't matter. You could put a, a traffic cone back there, and Kamara <laughs> will still get his. That, he's just that phenomenal. Yeah, I think I took the traffic call before I took Ian Book. Don't don't tell Brady Quinn. Uh, here, this is what Wikipedia says about Kamara's time in Alabama. So I'm assuming it's true because it's on Wikipedia. Uh, it said his That's short time there was a rough experience, quote unquote. He had knee surgery in the preseason and then redshirted as a true freshman because he couldn't break into the running back class. It also included uh, some guy named Derrick Henry, TJ Yeldon, and Kenyon Drake. You certainly understand that. Uh, mm. Saban banned. Uh, there. Uh, look at that. There it is. Way there to go, Debo. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the picture. There it is. Alvin. Alvin was wearing number one. That, that's a large ass. That worked for Jameson Williams. It didn't work for Alvin in Alabama. So Saban banned Kamara from practicing with the team, suspended from their bowl game uh, due to quote unquote behavioral issues. I don't know who called it behavioral issues, but then he he went to community college in Kansas, and then you know who called it behavioral issues. <laughs> you know. And then it the was NIL co- hater, you it know, was, uh, yeah. it was, uh, it was who, who, who got mad at who's A&M coach that got mad at 
Saban. That's who said it. Oh, well, one of Saban's former assistants. We'll leave his name out of it because those two guys are really going at it. So. <laughs> <laughs> those two guys are really, they're really going at it. And, you yeah, know, me was, as an SEC guy, I'm just sitting back laughing as we enjoy our national championship trophy. Go dog. Yeah. No, I love it when old folks get in fights uh, publicly. Especially right. when they used to love each other. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's right. I think they're I grumpy think they're, old men. They made up when they went to the club. <laughs> Grumpy old man. <laughs> so number three it is a Georgia guy. I mean, yep. we saw that picture Diva put on YouTube of the Alabama crew there. There's a couple pictures of the of the Georgia running backs that would just. I mean, that's a Hall of Fame crew right there. So mm-hmm. number three, I don't have any issue with this. This feels like a. I think everyone on planet Earth would agree with this. Although you may you may have some some other stories based on your social media interactions. You going with Nick Chubb out of uh. Georgia made his way to Cleveland and again, integral to what they do there. He has a running mate, Kareem Hunt, who may or may not be there by the time the season starts. But if you're looking for a running back one in Cleveland, it's obviously Nick Chubb and then running back one just about anywhere else on planet Earth. It's also Nick Chubb. Yeah, uh, Nick Chubb, as a Georgia guy, this what he's doing in the, at the NFL level is absolutely uh, of no surprise to me. Uh, he was this same beast. Um, at UGA in Athens and you know it just it just translates and it's not always going to translate that's why I said when it comes to James Cook we'll see uh, obviously I hope that he really um, puts up numbers and he definitely has the talent to do so but we all know that uh, particularly at the running back position it all it doesn't necessarily always translate um, you know but with Nick Chubb instantly hit the ground running Uh, in a big way. And I mean, literally and figuratively speaking, and that's despite having um, more or less split duty with Kareem Hunt up to this point, you look at Chubb's numbers and all he does is just take over games and he does it quietly. So we mentioned Barry Sanders um, in comparison, or I should say Alvin Kamara in comparison to Barry Sanders, as far as the quick twitch and the acceleration, you know, it reminds me of Barry Sanders and Nick Chubb. This. They don't say anything. Nothing. It's just I'm going to go out here, do my job. I'm going to hurt your feelings. I'm going to absolutely steal your self-esteem away from you. And then I'm going to be quiet about it. Like, I'm not going to do any kind of fancy dances. I'm not going to do backflips into the end zone. Uh, it's shake hand Ladanian Tomlinson energy as well. I'm just going to <laughs> shake hands and I'm going to go back to the sideline. And he's always been that guy. He's he's a guy that never gives you any kind of off the field issues whatsoever. His character That's is right. above reproach. So not only is he the consummate professional off the field, but on the field, uh, there are only, and we'll get to these these players, there are only two other running backs that I would place above him. And I had a I had a challenge within myself doing that. Like these other two guys really um, we're up against it in my head. And obviously they they won out, but Nick Chubb, I don't, yes, he's ranked as number three on my list, but I feel like he's more of a 1C yeah. uh, if we're being completely honest. Uh, I don't know any other running back in the NFL um, who is asked to do more with less and and does it at the level that Nick Chubb does? Uh, Baker Mayfield, whether you can blame it on you know battling the the shoulder issues or that and or the fact that he's disgruntled with the organization and kind of was even prior to the Deshaun Watson situation. Um, so just the the up and down um waffling nature of okay who's going to be the starting quarterback this mm-hmm. week for the Cleveland Browns and is it going to be you know good players and not going to be good play they never had those questions about Nick Chubb it was always okay well no matter who's quarterbacking give the ball to Chubb 
Give the ball to Chubb. Give the ball to Chubb. Uh, and his football IQ is, is through the roof as well. And that'll piss off some fantasy people every once in a while. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, he'll run out of bounds on your, the one yard line. He's playing real football. Um, but Nick Chubb, again, uh, from every possible angle of analysis, he is arguably, not, not arguably one of the best. He's arguably the best running back in football. Um, and I say that having having constructed this list and I really don't even like the number three next to him. I, I feel like he's, like I said, more of a one C. But when we start talking about these two guys that, you know, somebody has to win out. Right. These next two guys, it, it's just incomparable, like incomparable. But as far as Nick Chubb goes, every NFL team would want him um, mm-hmm. hands down. Yeah, I think the takeaway, and I agree with everything you said there, is that, again, this isn't Zeke Elliott's fault. He was drafted fourth overall. Mm-hmm. 31 picks later is when Nick Chubb went yeah. two years later in the draft. So he went 35th versus four. And I don't think anyone on planet Earth is making the case that Zeke Elliott is 31 picks better than, than Nick Chubb. And I, I think it's just a, a case of Jerry O for drafting or Steven or whoever actually turned the card in. I don't know who, who decided it. Um, Nick Chubb makes $12.2 million a year. Zeke makes 15. Uh, is Zeke 2.8 million a year better? No, clearly he's not. But uh, again, that's the nature of where you draft these guys and the expectation Correct. when their contracts come up. And, and again, I ain't dumping on Zeke. I'm just comparing him because he's he's the, the highest play, drafted player on this list. No, it's just the, the, the penalty of circumstance is really what it is. And if DeMarco, if DeMarco Murray signs his deal with the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott is not in Dallas. Right. There you go. <laughs> um, so. And Zeke probably doesn't go fourth overall unless the Jack- no, Jack- Jaguars not. Uh, all right, we'll be down to two, and I'll let you determine the order, and, and you can rank them or you can you can give them both gold medals. It's up to you. <sighs> Who's left? You know what? I'm I'm going to I'm going to give them both gold medals. Uh, as right. far as the uh, the written list is concerned, I have Jonathan Taylor at number two. I have Derrick Henry at number one. Um, really struggled with this um, because of the season Jonathan Taylor is coming off of. I mean, good God, man. Good God. And it's kind of like how I described in the in the write-up. Um, Taylor flies onto this list uh, like a bat out of hell. <laughs> I mean, you just did not see him coming. You know, you you would from a from a coach standpoint, uh, you were trying to figure out the running back situation. Um, and you figured, hey, you know, we we let the the veteran go, um, veteran go, and we'll we'll give this guy Taylor a shot at more snaps, and let's kind of see what happens, right? But to be safe, and this was their thought process at the time, which we all knew was wrong. But Ursay is also thinking, oh, and we'll go and we'll trade for Carson Wentz, and he'll be the answer at quarterback, so we really won't need to lean on Jonathan Taylor in the running game as much. Yeah. You might. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor, um, what he did last season was just nothing short of remarkable. Uh, And his ceiling is just I feel like Michael Jordan, like the the ceiling is the floor (laughs) Mm. (laughs) when it comes to Jonathan Taylor. I don't see a weakness in his game, not a single weakness. He blocks very well in pass protection. He runs up the gaps with no fear. He can burn the edge with speed. He's dangerous in open space. He's dangerous as a receiver. He can carry an entire NFL offense as evidence. That's why he was named AP Offensive Player of the Year last year. That's why he was in the MVP conversation for much of the year. And my argument is he should have been MVP. Uh, But running backs don't win MVP because running backs are routinely underappreciated. That's just how it goes. Penalty of circumstance. Right. Um, But Jonathan Taylor, you know, if 
and obviously this leaves Derrick Henry as my number one. Spoiler alert, right? Yeah. If not for the existence of Derrick Henry. <laughs> so Derrick Henry, he battled injury last year, obviously. So he was only able to play, uh, I think, seven or eight games, but less than less than half the season. Um, but it's still <laughs> Derrick Henry. It's still Derrick yeah, Henry. Yeah, but he played half the season and then – he couldn't take Ryan Tannehill away from that performance that lost him that playoff he, he game. He couldn't because at the same time, uh, it's one of those situations where in that same breath, Jonathan Taylor couldn't save Carson Wentz from himself against well, the look, Jacksonville look, J- Jonathan Taylor's a lot of things, but he ain't Jesus Christ, so there's and, only so much he can and, do. And therein lies my my point as far as Derrick Henry. When it comes to Ryan Tannehill, you know, is Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill as poor of a quarterback as Carson Wentz? No, I don't believe he is. I don't believe he is. I believe there is something in Ryan Tannehill that can uh, give you sufficient enough of quality quarterback play wherein if he has the right supporting cast, i.e. or e.g. rather, uh, a generational talent like Derrick Henry, and you have the receivers there, but then now what do you do? You go and you trade A.J. Brown because you don't want to give him a contract. The Julio Jones experiment was a massive failure, right? So, you know, Derrick Henry, you look at what he's done to this point. You look at him being such a key piece of continued success for the Tennessee Titans. Um, Shouts out to Mike Vrabel for uh, mounting the the troops and being able to uh, stack more wins in the absence of Henry. The team did not implode as we thought they would. However, you saw that the team, um, even prior to Henry's return, you saw what they are with Henry. You saw them going to Baltimore and and just absolutely steamroll the Ravens in the playoffs. Uh, Ask Earl Thomas about Derrick Henry. He probably still has his palm print on his forehead, right? So Derrick Henry is just, he is the, and uh, there's no noun that needs to come after that. He's just the, um, (laughs) and it's going to take at least another season of Jonathan Taylor doing what he did in 2021 before we start talking about can he or has he already dethroned Henry? It's arguable. It is debatable. I'm willing to debate it. I'm willing to talk about it because, you know, what Taylor did warrants that conversation. Um, But in the end, until I see, you know, 2000 plus yards from scrimmage, until I see multiple NFL rushing titles, until I see um, Taylor throw, you know, two or three touchdowns until the end, <laughs> like Derrick Henry can. Um, Henry is just, he's going to be the king um, for me until further notice. But uh, Henry, look in your rear view. Taylor's right there. And I don't mean he's far behind. I mean, his his front bumper is at your side mirror. Uh, he's right there. So one, one false step, and there's going to be uh, someone else sitting in that throne, and he's going to be in Indianapolis. All right, next two seasons, who are you taking? Uh, I'm I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. Oh, I didn't want to say three because I say three makes it too easy. No, I, I'm, I'm still going to say Derrick Henry. I think uh, the Titans are smart enough to at least give him the extension. Hopefully the money they didn't give A.J. Brown is the money they're going to give Derrick Henry. But um, the absence of A.J. Brown and, you know, at least in the moment as we're having this conversation, another team with question marks at the receiver core, but also at, at quarterback. We don't know what the future of Ryan Tannehill is going to be. So I feel like they're going to – ride the hell out of Derrick Henry in 2023 as they try to sort through all of this stuff offensively. Uh, So I think that Henry, who doesn't routinely have injury issues, I think he'll have a healthy 2023. I think that's going to, all things considered, I think it's going to put him um, in an opportunity where he could, again, get over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. I don't think that's out of the question. So for the next couple of years, I still think it's Henry. But again, Derrick, one false move. (laughs) <laughs> and um, either Taylor or Chubb, they're coming. 
Yeah, and they're they're both younger. Um, mm. That's the top ten list. So uh, give me uh, give me how the reactions were that you encountered uh, in terms of the, the 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 most pushback you got uh, of guys that perhaps didn't make the top ten list. The biggest one. Um, well, I was surprised I didn't get more pushback for the absence of Saquon Barkley, but I think everyone's nah. starting to understand that yeah. you know that's just not. That's Again, top five running back in a terrible right. situation. Um, but the biggest that I'm getting is Christian McCaffrey. If you notice, wow. we didn't talk about McCaffrey. He's been hurt. Uh, that That's the long and short of it. Uh, I think uh, people misunderstand because I, I placed him as honorable mention um, because I believe he deserves to be an honorable mention. But at the same time, uh, and that's simply off of what we've seen him do, what his potential to continue to do is. But if you can't remain on the field, Ryan, we're talking about a guy. Um, who has the ability to be a generational talent, who is a <laughs> thousand yard receiver and thousand yard rusher in the same season, who can also do damage as a returner. Like you just don't come across Christian McCaffrey's every 10, 15, 20 years, but 10 games played since signing his mega contract. I, who do I, who would I put him over in this particular list at this particular moment? Do I value him more than Zeke David Elliott, Mon- but nobody else. No, nice try. <laughs> do I value him more than David Montgomery at number 10 right now? No. Do I value him more than Aaron Jones at number nine? No. And then it just gets more and more difficult from there. More than Zeke? No. More than Joe Mixon? No. More than Dalvin Cook? More than Alvin Kamara? More than Chubb? More than Taylor? Absolutely not. More than Derrick Henry? Absolutely not. So uh, I think that McCaffrey has a fantastic opportunity to jump back into the conversation of one of the best, if not the best, um, running back in the league, going to have that challenge there with Henry and Chubb and Taylor. But it's all it's all contingent upon what he can do in 2022 or what he can't do in 2022. He gets on the field. He can only stay on the field for a couple games and then his wheels go bad again. And, and when we're talking about a running back, especially someone who's as electric uh, as Christian McCaffrey. Once the wheels start going bad, once those lug nuts start loosening. You have to wonder how long before the whole wheel pops off. So love McCaffrey. If you go back and look at the previous iterations of this list, I had him at number two, I think, both of the previous two years behind Derrick Henry. Um, but, yes, this this year he fell from number two in my heart and my mind all the way to honorable mentions. And I would love for him to get back into um, the conversation. But there is work to be done and there's no shortage of opportunity in Carolina because you know Sam Darnold maybe they go and get Baker Mayfield and even if they do do we know Mayfield's going to hit the ground running there so they don't have a good quarterback situation in Carolina which means they need to have McCaffrey on the field but they need to have McCaffrey on the field so yeah no and the, the issue is it could be a David Montgomery situation where you're going into a, a program now that's terrible it ain't like the when Cam Newton was a few years removed from the MVP and and they had McCaffrey, that one-two punch. You mentioned Sam Darnold. They got Matt Corral. We don't know if he can play right away or right. not. Probably not. Baker Mayfield's in the equation. They did. P.J. Walker ain't going to do it. Right. They drafted an offensive lineman, but I don't know if that if the offensive line can play all five positions at once, and that's a concern. So there are a lot of questions, and, and obviously McCaffrey. Right. They don't know if they're going to have Moton on the edge, if they're going to pop them inside. You need yeah. McCaffrey on the field, but if you're McCaffrey, you need to prove you can stay on the field. No one's questioning your ability. We know what you can do. You're one of the best that we've ever seen do it. And by the way, no but one needs not, we've not seen it. We've not seen it lately. So that's right. And no one needs Christian McCaffrey more on the field than Matt Rule. <laughs> oh, you better believe it. You had better believe it. For those that <laughs> last year, um, when I did my my coaching hot seat 
listings and I, I put rule in there and I got so much heat from Panthers nation and, Oh, how dare you say, what do you mean? And fast forward to now. And all I can say is, you see, so yeah, I, I, I think the seat doesn't get much harder than rule going into this year. And uh, he needs McCaffrey as much as McCaffrey needs to be on the field. So uh, if he's healthy and can stay that way, he'll pop right back into the top 10, maybe even the top five next year. But you know, 17 games plus potential playoffs. We'll, we'll see how it pans out. Yep. No, that's right. All right. That's Patrick's top 10 running backs. I don't have any real issue with it. I was giving you a hard time about Zeke, but I think Zeke is appropriately placed there. Uh, so that's a wrap on that. I think, Debo, are we doing any more top 10 lists? Are we done with these? Where are we at now? Top 10 receivers tomorrow. Oh, there we go. I think Breach is hosting that one. Or am I, I may be hosting that one. I think that's I'm hosting you. that one. That's you. Yeah, that's me. I'll be back tomorrow then. Patrick, it's good talking to you, man. I'm glad we got to talk a little running backs here. Not too controversial, uh, at least for me. I'm sure other folks felt differently. But uh, that's a wrap on the old Pick 6 podcast for today. We'll be back tomorrow talking wide receivers. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.